Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you're addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I am a Dynasty Freak, which means I love the NFL. I watch every game every week. I love drafting, trading, scouting, managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So do you. So let's talk some Dynasty. Here's what we have on store today in episode number 81. In episode number 81, we're going to compare my rankings, my rookie rankings, with those from the very, very awesome and one of the best websites out there, Dynasty League Football. We're going to compare my rankings with the analyst at DLF. So over the last two weeks, I have made minor adjustments to my rookie rankings based on players' performances at the NFL Combine. Um, I said, stated this last week in the podcast that I do make slight differences, but hardly any differences in the top, but more in the back end of my rookie rankings. There can be some guys that jump up quite a bit based on the NFL Combine. So I made those adjustments last week. Go back and listen to that podcast if you haven't already. And now after doing so, I decided for the first time to compare my rankings, rookie rankings, with the analyst at DLF. Of course, like I already said, these guys are the best of the best in my opinion. I love to see where they differ in rankings. I love that they do composite rankings where they have seven different analysts that all give their rankings. And so the the kind of final ranking you get is a composite of those seven experts. And so it's real fun to go in there and compare my rankings with them. And I noticed there was actually about 10 players who I had ranked significantly higher, 10 spots higher or 10 spots lower than these guys. They know what they're talking about. They're great analysts. And so I have to question, like, what is it that I have different? Uh, So I'm a realist. I know that more dynasty owners look to the DLF rookie board when they're on the clock in their rookie drafts than are going to look to my rankings. Like, I can admit that. We're a startup, startup podcast here, just getting things going with dynasty freaks. So I know that when I'm in drafts with in my drafts that are upcoming, people are going to look to the DLF rookie board more than they look to my rookie board. So knowing that, I can safely assume, based on these differences in rankings, that I have a very high chance of owning the players that I rank higher than DLF. And conversely, I have almost no chance um, on the players that I have ranking, that I rank lower than the DLF uh, experts. So Right now, I'm just going to present to you a list of five players I'm likely to draft because I rank the players significantly higher than DLF, and then also five players that I'm unlikely to draft because I have them ranked significantly lower than the pros at DLF. One enormous caveat before we start is that I have to admit, and you know this too, draft capital and landing spot change everything. So it matters when they're drafted, matters which teams they're drafted by. So I'm writing this more than two months before or stating this podcast or writing the article that is affiliated with this podcast. I wrote it two months before the draft. And so I readily acknowledge that everything could change uh, depending on which players are drafted and what opportunities they're given on the teams that actually draft them. So where they're drafted, who drafts them is going to make a big difference. But still, I think it's fun and it's valuable to consider the differences in our rankings here before the NFL draft and after the NFL combine. So Here, let's start with the five players that I rank significantly higher than DLF. First up is A.J. Dillon. I have him ranked number 15 overall, while DLF has him ranked number 35 overall. So 20 20 spot difference in our rankings. So Dillon's going to be one of the most polarizing prospects of the year in this draft, for sure, with perhaps the exception of maybe Henry Ruggs. Um, I've taken a stand in favor of Dillon, while the DLF folks, obviously, and others have taken a stand against him. The arguments made by those who are against Dylan are that his lack of production in his passing game, 
and that his frame is just too big for the, quote, modern NFL. While I do question his ability in the passing game, I believe that his frame and his size does not prevent him from being useful in today's NFL. Teams use, the fact is that teams use two-back system more than ever these days, and if Dylan was primarily a first and second down back, I'm fine with that. He'd still have a great chance to produce in the NFL, even if he's not involved in the passing game as much. He's a weapon from short yardage because of his size, but if you watch his film, you'll see that he regularly scores very long touchdowns. His surprising 4-5 speed that he had at the Combine showed that as well. So he's compared most, of course, after the Combine to Derrick Henry, given his size and similar Combine performance. The most significant difference I see, though, between them works in Dylan's favor because one thing that Henry, he's very fast, but if you watch Henry, it takes him a very long time to get up to top speed where I noticed in Dylan's film that he could actually seem to burst a quicker, uh, more quickly to his top speed. And so I think that's a difference between Henry. I'm not saying that Dylan's going to be better than Henry. I'm just saying that's one trait that he has in his favor, that he can get to top speed faster than Henry. So draft capital, like I already said, draft capital will mean a lot for Dylan. But if Dylan were drafted by a team like Pittsburgh or Indianapolis or Seattle or even Atlanta, he would stay a top 15 player for me as he is right now before the NFL draft. Second player that I have ranked higher than the guys at DLF is Isaiah Hodgins. I have Isaiah Hodgins ranked number 21, while DLF has him ranked number 43. So this is a huge difference. We're talking here the receiver out of Oregon State. I have him number 21, while DLF has him ranked number 43. So 22 point difference, 22 spot difference, I should say. So here's another two-round difference of opinion. I see Hodges as a second-round pick, while DF, DLF guys have him graded as a fourth-round pick. I'm not sure why they don't like Hodgins, who looks more like the prototypical outside wide receiver in the NFL to me. His combine was not stellar, but it rarely is for those bigger outside wide receivers. They don't necessarily have to win with speed or burst, but they win with their body frame and, and the way that they position themselves for the ball and their catching ability. Hodgins won in college with all, tough, all types of routes, especially in the red zone. If you watch his red zone, he scored on slants. He scored on really quick fades. So he scored on outs. He's a jump ball as well. So his breakout year was not until his last year, which was last year was his junior year, um, but he was highly productive in that junior year with 1,171 yards and 13 touchdowns. 13 touchdowns. This guy knows how to score in the red zone. He wins in a lot of the same ways that Tyler Johnson does, whom I have ranked number 16 in this year's rookie class. I have Johnson ranked higher because he produced similarly in both his junior and senior season, so he's done it back-to-back years. But I think that Hodges, if he would have stayed in school for his senior year, he would have done just as well as Tyler Johnson did this last year. I'm sure he'd be uh, just about the same. They're not too far apart in my eyes. They really aren't, clearly, because I have Tyler Johnson ranked number 16 and here Hodges just five spots behind him at number 21. But clearly in the eyes of the others, they don't, they don't see him ranked that way. So pretty big difference between us. Of course, like I said, draft capital means a lot. But I think if Hodgins, an ideal spot for him if he were drafted by Arizona, if he were drafted by Buffalo or New Orleans, or even the New York Jets, I'd say that he would stay a top 21 player for me, giving him the chance to become the number one wide receiver for all those teams, of course, except New Orleans. He's not going to be better than um, Michael Thomas, but he could be finally that awesome number two that they've been needing in New Orleans and keep drafting and not being able to develop. Isaiah Hodgins could maybe be that guy. Third guy that I have ranked higher than the guys at DLF is James Prochet. I have Prochet ranked number 24, while DLF has him ranked number 59. Huge difference there, right? 35 spots. 35 spot difference. <clears throat> so we could not be more different than this. 
And I'm not backing down from my opinion that Prochet should be drafted in the second round of rookie drafts. I'm not backing away from that. Prochet will likely never become a number one wide receiver on his team, but he's already primed and ready to become an ideal number two receiver right away. And really, I believe a pretty quick rising to top 25, 35 dynasty wide receiver. He wins by, by running great routes and finding holes in the zones. That's his specialty. Just is always finding a hole. He's always finding a crease, which is precisely the skill and intelligence needed to be a productive wide receiver or number two in, on an NFL team. This skill set allowed him to score 12 and 15 touchdowns in his final two seasons at SMU. That's uh, just what he'll be able to do in the NFL, I believe. I think the analysts are sleeping on Prochet. I don't know why D-Left has him ranked so low. Um, I am not moving from this spot, uh, particularly if he got drafted to the right team, right situation, of course. Draft capital means everything. But if Prochet were drafted by Dallas, Green Bay, I'd say San Francisco, or even the L.A. Rams, I'd say he would stay a top 24 player for me right there at the back end of the second round in our rookie drafts. Fourth player that I have ranked higher than DLF is Cole Kmet. I have Kmet ranked number 33, and while DLF has him ranked number 44, so not a huge difference there, but 11 spot difference. Here's the reason why. Kmet is my number one ranked rookie tight end, while DLF has him ranked as their number five tight end in this class, so big difference there. It's not the best tight end class, which leads to a lot of varying opinions on how tight ends will, will be and should be ranked, um, let alone where they'll be taken in the rookie class in the actual NFL draft. I'm convinced, actually, that Kement will be the first tight end drafted based on what I've heard from NFL draft analysts. Um, I think that he really is the best all-around tight end in this class, while others may be drafted to play more specific roles as like the move tight end. Um, I think that he's going to be used as more of an all-around weapon and really be the inline tight end. And, and when it comes to drafting, for the most part, I really prefer to draft more inline tight ends who I believe will ultimately play more downs in the NFL. Kement is the best inline tight end in this class, and so he's my number one. And making him the number 33, that's pretty pretty far down for a tight end. The number one tight end isn't in, in my draft board till number 33, so the end of the third round. Shows that this class isn't very good, but I still think he's the best one in this class, and that's why I have him ranked 33. Draft capital, of course, would mean a lot. I think if Clement were drafted by New England um, or by Atlanta, uh, particularly if Hooper goes, so it looks like he is, Pittsburgh, or even Chicago, even though they had a hard time making something out of their tight end. But I would love it if it was New England, Atlanta, or Pittsburgh. I think he'd stay a top 33 tight end for me. Next we have uh, Patrick Taylor, uh, running back for Memphis. I have Taylor ranked number 34, while DLF has him ranked number 60. So pretty big difference there of 26 uh, spots. Here's the thing, though. Taylor was injured his senior season and has really kind of fallen off the radar a bit as a result. But I really liked his sophomore, especially his junior season film, more than most, and I believe that he can become a very productive running back number two, so an RB2 on an NFL team. He caught 19 and 17 passes in his second and third year at Memphis, and he scored 14 and 18 touchdowns those seasons. Huge touchdown score. His, uh, he has like the lead back size. He's 6'1", 217, which means that he could be a great third down back because he is so proficient in, the, in pass catching. But because of his size, if someone was to go down in front of him, he could become more of a starter if someone were to go down ahead of him in injury. So I would really love it if he was drafted to a team that had a lead guy in front of him and he would have just instantly become kind of the passing bat down back and then really the handcuff in time. Of course, draft capital and everything means a lot. So I think if Taylor were drafted uh, to, a pair, uh, to pair with a lead back on a team like Tennessee, uh, that would be great if he was back uh, behind Henry or Jacksonville, behind Fournette. Cincinnati behind Mixon, or even the Jets behind Le'Veon Bell. 
I think if he was drafted to a team like that and given that situation as a backup, I think he'd stay at number 34, you know, back end of the third round draft pick for me, while DLF has him ranked number 60. So those are five guys that actually had ranked higher. Now let's look at the guys that actually have ranked lower. So odds are, if people are looking, which they should, they'll be looking at the DLF uh, draft uh, rookie draft board when they're making their draft picks. And if they are flipping over to look at mine, they're going to see that I have these guys ranked way lower, which means odds are that I'm not going to get to draft any of these guys in my draft because someone's going to draft them ahead of me. First is KJ Hamler. I have Hamler, Hamler ranked number 28, while DLF has him ranked number 18, so a 10 spot different. Uh, Hamler is just too small and not diverse enough in his skills for me to draft him as in the second round. I do think that he is an excellent deep threat. He averaged 16 to 18 yards per catch at Penn State, so that's pretty ridiculous. I think that deep threats are great additions to NFL teams, but with few exceptions, they don't make for consistent dynasty assets. And so these are the same reasons why I have Ruggs ranked a little bit lower than most analysts, though not as drastic of a difference here. I think his injury before the combine causes me even more concern about his ability to stay healthy, particularly given his size in the NFL. And so I'm probably not going to get much K.J. Hamler because I have him ranked 10 spots lower than the guys at DLF. Next guy is Antonio Gandy-Golden. I have Gandy-Golden ranked at number 31, while DLF has him ranked number 20, so an 11-spot difference there. This kind of stinks for me because I actually really love, I'd love to draft Gandy Golden, but it just appears that I'm not going to be able to draft him. I think the hype's gone a little bit too far. It was super difficult for me to watch him play at Liberty University against no NFL talent and judge how he could measure up in the NFL. That was really hard to watch that film. To tell you the truth, if you ever watch high school film, it really looked like watching a high school film of like a five-star athlete playing against teams with no Division I recruits on their team. <laughs> Have you ever seen that before? Just like like a man among boys. That's kind of what this looked like. And I just don't know if it's going to translate to the NFL as much as people are willing to believe. Um, I'd be willing to take a chance on Gandy Golden in the middle of the third round because he does have some rare athletic ability. But the DLF guys actually have him assigned a mid-second round value at number 20. And that's just too much for me, too steep for me. I don't think that I can pull the trigger on believing in him uh, that much just yet. I think they have him ranked too high. Third is Lynn Bowden. Uh, I have Bowden ranked number 44, while DLF has him ranked number 33. So again, an 11-point 11 spot difference there. Here's a funny joke if you're familiar with Ryan McDowell. I'm tempted to call this the Ryan McDowell curve breaker. <laughs> so, yeah, I love Ryan McDowell. Seriously, he's one of the best. I love listening to all of his podcasts. Um, and I love to weigh his intelligent opinions on players. But he is a Kentucky homer. And he has bowed and ranked number 23, while two other uh, of the seven DLF analysts have him outside of their top 70. So here you've got uh, uh, Kentucky Homer Ryan ranking him number 23, and you've got two of the guys at DLF not even ranking him in the top 70 rookies. And so their composite rankings make him number 33, but I think that's just way too high for me. Bowden is an excellent football player, and I think he's going to contribute to an NFL team, but I don't think he'll have much of, be much of a dynasty asset, in my opinion. I see him more of like a Jalen Samuels who helps a team like Pittsburgh by being a versatile player, able to do many things just as Bowden did in college. He could probably do that again in the NFL, but I don't think it's going to impact many dynasty teams. So I have him ranked down at number 44. Third guy that I have ranked far lower than the guys at DLF is, is LaMichael P. Ryan. I have LaMichael P. Ryan ranked number 50, while DLF has him number 38. So it's 12 spot difference there. Here's the thing for me is I just value college productivity too much to have P. Ryan ranked as high as number 38. He played all four years at Florida, but he never gained more than 1,000 all-purpose yards in one season. So just kind of mediocre around the board. No breakout age, no uh, stellar season, no breakout season, really. And after 
getting past the rookie running backs that I think can be down every down backs, what I do is I tend to value running backs that specialize in the passing game or a particular fit for a zone running scheme if they were to get drafted by a zone running scheme. So that's why I have guys like Eno Benjamin, Patrick Taylor, Darrington Evans, even Anthony McFarlane ranked quite a bit ahead of P. Ryan, who, uh, although he did have 40 catches his senior year, so it shows he can catch, he just didn't look as specialized in the passing department as some of these other guys that I feel like were they to hit his own running scheme or be the passing down back, they have more potential. So I've moved P. Ryan down quite a bit to number 50 in the fifth round, where they have a 38 just at the start of the fourth round. And finally, this one hurts, but number five is Colin Johnson. I have Colin Johnson ranked number 56, while DLF has him ranked number 34, so we got a 22-spot difference there. This one pangs me to say because I have my fellow Longhorn ranked far lower than the pros at DLF. Johnson has all the desired size and traits of a starting outside NFL wide receiver. He really does. And the kind of Debbie community has been talking about him for quite some time. But he just never became the dominant wide receiver at UT. He was really overshadowed even this year by surprise Devin Duvernay in his senior season. So college production is too important in my evaluation, like I already said. And not participating in the combine drills that are most important to wide receivers is a red flag to me as well. As a Longhorn fan, I wish him well. But I have graded him in the fifth round, not the third, like the guys at DLF have. Good luck, Colin Johnson. I hope you prove me wrong. But maybe I don't because I want to be right in my takes. Well, that's going to be a wrap for me this week, my freaky friends. Thanks so much for listening. A special shout-out to Chris, who emailed me this week with some questions and even uh, showed me one tight end that I had forgot to really take a look at film, so I appreciate that. I always welcome two-way conversation anytime. Contact me at DynastyFreaks.com. That's Dynasty Freaks with two E's. I am much better on email than I am on Twitter, so that's the best way to get me, DynastyFreaks at gmail.com. I'd be really honored if you'd take time to rate and review the podcast and Apple Podcasts. That would mean a lot to me. Again, thanks for listening. I appreciate your support, and I do want to become your most trusted, independent voice in the dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there and get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. 